Welcome back to this week's edition of the Gishmak of our podcast. This week's Parsha, Parashaski Sisa. Please help us out. Slam that like and subscribe button. Take 30 seconds. Leave us a five-star review or a one-star review. Send it to a friend. Help us to be Marbit Torah Ba'ola. We pick up our story at the foot of Harsinai. The continuation of the Harsinai narrative that comes crashing down. Perhaps one of the most puzzling, incomprehensible, and baffling topics in all of the five books of Moses. A mere 40 days after Kabbalah's Atelier, Klal Yisrael finds itself dancing around a golden calf. Avodah Zara, a complete shindig of idolatrous actions that seems like it's a Simchas Torah around an idol. How can we understand this? Much to unpack. Let us begin. Why? How? What? Where? To deal with the why, Ramban tells us that Klaiser wasn't actually in the market for a new god. They just saw a demus, a form. Satan had the ability to show a form, a demus of Maishra Benu dead in the heavens. They saw a vision. The Satan made it look like Moshe had died. He had not come down. He delayed in coming down. Therefore, the nation below was in an uproar. Commotion broke out. Angry mobs. We want a new leader. This Egel Hazov, this golden calf, was not a god to them, but rather the people desired a new leader to take Moses' place. This does perhaps bring down the sin to a lower level, which makes it a little bit easier to comprehend at some level. But then we would have to understand also why the sin is then considered so severe that the nation was going to be completely destroyed and built up again through Moshe. The Kliyakar tells us a different way, that Klal Yisrael, the entire community of Bnei Yisrael, actually was not involved in the Egel Azov. It was just the Erev Rav, the mixed multitude, the Egyptians that had followed us out that wanted to join God's nation. Those were the ones who were involved in the Egel Azov. But either way, I think that the why, the, the I'm sorry, I think that the how how is it that we stoop to such a level reveals very much about our personal struggle from highs to lows and even more so might give us some new artillery in our battle against the Yitzhahara. In Perak Lamed Pasuk Lamed Aleph, we find one of the most unbelievable Rashis. Rashi tells us that Maish Rabbein is going to war. He's pleading. He's petitioning. He's imploring with God. Please forgive my nation. And this is the quote of Pasuk Laman Aleph. Ayeshev Moshe El Hashem. Bayoshev Moshe El Hashem. Ayoymar. Anachata Ha'am. Please, my nation has sinned. Hazeh, this nation. Chata Gedayla, a large sin. Bayasu Lahem. Please do for it. Because they did. Elokei Zahav, they made a golden god. Rashi picks up on that. Moshe becomes very, very particular in describing the situation. Why did Moshe say that they made a golden god? To say, yes, a lawyer, we know that we don't actually go ahead and describe the sin over and over to keep reminding the judge. Why would Moshe retell the entire story? And specifically, why would he say gold? Says Rashi, something unbelievable. Elokei Zahav. Why did God say, why did Moshe say they made a golden deity? Zok Rashi. Moshe is telling God it's your fault. 
You gave them the gold. Because when we were leaving Egypt, you gave them the opportunity to grab all of the Egyptians' booty, to ransack their houses and grab everything they could on their way out. What should my people have done to not sin? They were looking for a new emissary, a new conduit, a new leader. And of course, what are they going to do? Of course, they're going to take all this gold that you've given them and create some sort of new leader. Rashi continues. Moshe Lamelech. A famous parable to a king. Rashi, and I'll paraphrase, continues to say, Maishir Abenu was telling HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's not our fault. God, it's your fault. Ma Yasu Aben Shalo Yechta. A famous, famous mashal, Rashi continues, that there's a king who had a son. He had a 15-year-old son. He took his son, did his hair, dressed him up beautifully, gave him an unlimited funds, gave him his black card, and he said, Go. He took, told him, take his drivers, drop off my son, put him in the middle of the brothel. What should the kid do so he shouldn't sin? Send him out to the middle of a completely insane world, to a place full of immorality. 15-year-old kid with no boundaries, with everything at his disposal. What should a kid do so, so that he should not sin? It's not his fault so to speak, was Moshe's time. Hashem, forgive us for this. Unbelievable here. If we read Rashi critically, we find this again in the beginning of Parshish Devar, and Rashi quotes this by Deber Hamaskal, the Dizahav. Rashi seems to say that the sin here is not our fault because Ma'ya what should the kid do so that he shouldn't have sinned? Rabbi Yeruchim is medayik from here that in our lives, most of our sins are actually fought Hours, if not days, and perhaps weeks, way, way, way before the actual action of the sin takes place. For example, you're at Kiddush, schmoozing with your friends. And then you look across the room, and there's some people there, you're debating, should I go over and talk to them? And you go over and talk to them. All of a sudden, Lashon Hara breaks out. You start to talk gossip. And then you realize that, you know, I actually did have a thought that maybe I shouldn't have actually come over here. Because I knew that I might get involved in some Lashon Hara. But it was a complete ones. You did not mean to speak Lashon Hara. You did not mean to hear the Lashon Hara. So we can't be blamed. But no, the sin started way before. The idea that was completely mutar, that it was completely allowed to walk over there to your friends, perhaps that's where the sin began. The sin starts way before. When the king dresses his son up to go out, that's when the sin begins. Hashem, it's not our fault. The sin started all the way back when you gave us all this gold. A person wants to have kavana in a shmona esrei, even gets upset when it doesn't happen. Again, can we blame ourselves for not having kavana in shmona esrei by running in to catch chap amincha, to chap amariv, to quickly jump right in to da- to daven baruch or perhaps way, way, way before tefillah does it already begin. To be oimed lefnei Hashem properly, perhaps we need to be kovea makom. We need a makom kavua. We need to take some time to take a deep breath, relax, to think 
and focus about what davening is about. To make sure that we've, you know, used all, taken care of all of our bodily issues before. So then, when we've prepared properly, then mayasa eventually yechta, and we can continue to have kavona and shmanasra. A person doesn't feel well, motzei Shabbat. It's known, it's baduk manusa, we all know, that it's not because he did something now that hurt his stomach, but perhaps he ate too much that day. The feeling is now, but it actually was caused by something many, many hours before. We are saying now a Chiddush. Klal Yisrael was saved because of the account of Moshe Rabbeinu. That it's not our fault, but rather we got stuck in this situation. We are involved in something that is way, way, way above what we ever, ever could have done. Or beneath what we ever could have done. But HaKadosh Baruch it's not our fault. Because my Yasa Ben Yechta. We have to take this vart and understand that the sins may be out of our control. It may not be your fault, but it starts way before. A person always has to have foresight. If I go there, what will be the next step? If I stay here, what will be the next step? If I wake up late, will it just end in a shachris that might be poor? Or does that mean my entire schedule is messed up? From here we see one Yisoy of the, of the Egal Azov. That Moshe Rabbeinu was able to save us because it wasn't actually our fault, perhaps we can say. But my Yasa Ben Yechta, let it be that we understand what decisions lead to and be able to fight the battle at the proper time, which is perhaps days before it actually even happens. Mm-hmm.